the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we know that the devil can be resisted. Now the devil is our enemy and we need to understand who he is and how we operate so that we can effectively resist him. Now there's something you might want to take notes on. How do you resist the devil? That's Pastor Leighton Sheely. And this is a broadcast called Study Verse by Verse, an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And he's in the book of James, and we've made it into the fourth chapter. More details about this ministry are available on the web. By the way, if you've missed any of the past broadcasts or would like to listen to them again, you can do that on the website, studyversebyverse.com. Again, in James chapter 4, here's Pastor Layton. Verse 5, or do you suppose that it is to no purpose that Scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? And so here he reminds them of what Scripture says. And, and, he, and what, we, what we say and what we, what we teach needs to be rooted and grounded in God's Word. But, you know, the structure of this verse in the original language is a bit complicated. And I was reading through a number of scholars, and there's, there's probably over a half a dozen ways that this particular verse could be translated. And uh, they're all just minor variations of each other. But let me give you two of the candidates that I thought worthy of consideration, the best of the candidates, if you will. And, and the first of them could be rendered, God truly cares about the spirit that he has placed in us. And the second is that God it truly cares about his spirit that is put within us. Now, in the first case, that God truly cares about the spirit he has placed in us. It reminds us of what, what Genesis 1 reveals, that God formed mankind out of the dust of the earth and breathed into us the breath or spirit of life. And although at death the body returns to the dust from which it was made, our spirit lives on through eternity in either heaven or hell. Scripture tells us that God is not willing that any should perish. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. That's why he provided a way of salvation in Christ Jesus. Another way of saying it is God values every soul, or it could be said that God is jealous for every soul. And then the second candidate is that God truly cares about His Spirit, and that would be a reference to the Holy Spirit who comes to live within every believer at the moment of salvation. And he, James is writing to Christians who, by definition, are filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Trinity. And as a person, God's Holy Spirit can be grieved by what we think, say, and do that's displeasing to God. And then he continues on. He says, but he gives more grace. And therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And he's contrasting now, and that's evident in that word, but, but he gives more grace. See, God, he demands a loyalty and requires us to resist the appeals of this evil world. And then he gives us the grace in order to meet his demand. He helps us. Grace is God's help that we don't deserve. 
And then he says, therefore, it says, God opposes the proud. The proud is literally the arrogant. The arrogant describes someone who's puffed up and thinks more of them, themselves than they ought. I am my own God. I am the master of my destiny. I don't need God. I don't need to acknowledge sin. I don't need to ask his forgiveness. It says God opposes the proud. He confounds the agenda, the plans, the schemes of the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, grace has a characteristic that a man cannot receive grace until they realize their need of it and come to God asking and pleading for help. God's grace here means to show kindness. You know, we enter into a relationship with God as servants, not equals. That our friendship with God grows out of our submission to him and not the other way around. And submission means that all we are and all we have is available to God without reservation. The word here, word here literally means it's used to describe a soldier who is expected to carry out the orders of his commanding officer. Submission is living a life that expresses to God, it's not my will, but thine be done. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we know that the devil can be resisted. Now, the devil is our enemy, and we need to understand who he is and how we operate so that we can effectively resist him. The devil is the uh, angel that led the revolution against God in heaven and was cast out with the fallen angels. We call them demons and banished from heaven. And now his primary purpose is to separate men from God because he knows that his destruction is coming and he wants to take as many of mankind as he can with him. And so we desperately need God's grace as we are locked in a mortal combat with a superior enemy. And we need to God's help to recognize Satan's schemes to separate us from God rather than us drawing near to God, which is what we're going to look at in just a moment. And, and you know, the main, the main tool that the devil has is his ability to warp our thinking, to deceive us. He's the master of deceit. And he seduces us with thoughts, just like he did to Eve in the garden. He might seduce us to respond with bitterness for the hardships of life. God, why did you make this life so hard for me? Or the seduction to persistently doubt. that From time to time, God manifests himself in our lives so we know that God is with us, that God is, is helping us. And then a few days or weeks or months later, we're not so sure anymore even though God promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us. Or the seduction to blame God for that temptation. You know, God, you knew this was coming. It's your fault. You could have done something about this, you know. It's the woman you gave me, if you want to go way back, to blame God for temptation. Or the seduction that you can get good things from a source other than God. When Bible says clearly every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light. Or the seduction 
that we can have a genuine faith that doesn't have to affect the way we live. These are all things that James has talked about earlier in his note. He says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. To draw near to God is to maintain a close relationship with God. And what he's saying is if we intentionally press into God, he will not pull away from us. He will not reject us. He will not forsake us. If we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. Now that brings up the question, how do we draw near to God? And the answer is found when we keep reading. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. The psalmist wrote in 24, chapter 24, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can go into the presence of God? And then he answered that with those who have clean hands and a pure heart. Those who have clean hands and a pure heart can come into the presence of God. So as we submit or draw near to God, we become aware of habits and actions and thoughts and things that are not pleasing to him. And washing our hands pictures the removal of these things from us in the, in the way that we live. But not only must our actions be purified, so also must our thoughts be purified. And that's why he says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. We need to change not only on the outside, we need to change on the inside. And if we allow the world to entice us away from God, we have become double-minded. It's referring to someone who's trying to maintain a relationship with God and the world. So purity of heart implies single-minded. We need to be single-minded, serving the Lord only, not double-minded. And then he says, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. These terms, uh, wretched, mourn, weep, uh, capture the struggle of a soul that is endeavoring to draw near to God. It describes what we go through because submission to God brings people into an awareness of their sinful condition and shortcomings. And as God draws near to us, we gain a greater and greater sense of our unworthiness. Now, if we're feeling good about ourselves, that's not a good sign. If we're feeling good about, you know, ourselves, that's not a good sign. The closer we get to God, the more aware of how much we need his grace and mercy we become. How sorrowful we are for the sin. A wretched person describes someone who feels miserable and sorrowful for their condition. Like that tax collector who stood far off. He couldn't even lift his eyes up to heaven. He beat his chest and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then he says to mourn and weep. And that inner sense of wretchedness is expressed outwardly with mourning and weeping. You know, before we knew God, we laughed at God. We laughed at the notion of God. We laughed at the sin, the concepts of sin. 
But that scornful laughter needs to be changed in the morning. When we realize that God is real, that sin is real, then we mourn over our sins. And it's only after we mourn that we will enjoy the joy that God gives us through his grace. He then says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Remember back in verse 6, he said, God gives grace to the humble. Now he says, do something about it. That's one of the main emphasis in the book of James, isn't it? You give evidence of your faith by doing something about it. This is Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, and I'm Mike Trout. It's a daily visit if you're new to the program, just a brief time of devotion each Monday through Friday. If you'd like to know more about the church, you can find out on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. The details about the church service times are right there. And there are multiple services, so there's something for just about everybody. That's highlands.us. Have a great rest of your day and a wonderful weekend. And join us on Monday when we'll come back with more study in the book of James, verse by verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's Dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.